Hey friends, you are listening to the Grace Story Church podcast. To learn more about Grace Story and how you can get plugged into our community, visit gracestory.church. The sermon text today is um, from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment and according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual members of one another having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The word of the Lord. That's Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. Anybody else have one of those grandmas that never missed a birthday? You know what I'm talking about? Even if I lived a few hours away, she never forgot my birthday. And I could count on every single year there would be a card in the mail, and every single year there would be some money inside the card. Always there. And... The one thing that was funny was that as my life changed and I got older, the cards didn't change. And so even when I was like 18 and beyond, I could count on a card with like a teddy bear riding a tractor. You know the kinds of cards I'm talking about? The ones that are made for five-year-olds. And I always wondered, and to this day, I still haven't decided whether she genuinely thought that that card was perfect for me. Or if it was a leftover card, or if she was just straight up trolling me my entire life. I don't know which one of those was the case, but I always wondered about that. And, you know, sometimes gifts are like that. Sometimes we open a gift on our birthday or on Christmas, and we wonder, how did someone see that and think of me? Or how did someone knowing me think of that and I just don't understand how this is a possibility as a gift for me and we wonder how they were chosen for us we wonder how they could be useful and even sometimes that happens with spiritual gifts I know so many believers who either can't identify how God has gifted them or They don't understand the value in how God has gifted them. One of those two things. And it's a a tragedy because our giftedness marks the means by which the Holy Spirit wants to bring flourishing into God's world. And especially God's church. Our gifting by the Holy Spirit marks what God gives back to us 
when we give ourselves to him. And that's how this passage is framed. We just had Romans 12 verses 1 through 2 last week where the real point is that we're called to give ourselves to God. We're called to give our whole lives to God. We're called to give our bodies to God as a living sacrifice. And the reason that we do that is because through the power of the Holy Spirit, we now experience the resurrection that Jesus experienced. And as resurrected members of Christ's body, we now do his work in the world. And we now execute his will in the world. And we do that by means of gifts that he has given to each one of us as we are members of one another in the church. And so Paul's going to give us some instruction about how to think about spiritual gifts. And let's just, let's just dive on in here in verses 3 through 8 of chapter 12 of Romans. Let's look at the first verse. For by the grace given to me... I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now the first thing that we want to grab from this is the first thing that Paul says. We shouldn't think too highly of our gifts or ourselves. We shouldn't think too highly of our gifts or ourselves. And I think that's self-explanatory, but we can measure this in our hearts in a couple of ways. Number one, do you tend to be given to boastfulness? Do you tend to be given to boastfulness? In other words, do you, and this can actually come from undervaluing the gifts in our lives as well. But oftentimes it comes from overvaluing them. We can be given to boastfulness because we see ourselves and we see others and we see some sort of a gap. And we overvalue what God has given us to do and we undervalue what God has given others to do. And the reality is God has gifted all of his people. God has gifted all of us for a specific role that he's called us to in his church. And we should not overvalue our own giftedness and we shouldn't undervalue the giftedness of others. Because when we do, we tend toward a world where we, we can be very easily tempted toward pride. And we can be very easily tempted toward dismissal. So it, it works against love for us to think too highly of ourselves. But then Paul's going to help us understand what this means. He says that we should think with sober judgment. In other words, check this out. There is actually a rational, there's a rational and right way to think about yourself. Isn't that interesting? You would think that it would be almost impossible to think objectively about yourself. But right here, Paul's telling us, think objectively about yourself. Have objective thoughts about your contribution, your potential contribution to God's kingdom. Think objectively with sober judgment. And then he's going to explain what this means. How do we think with sober judgment? How do we think objectively about ourselves? Listen to what he says. We do this according to, according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. The measure of faith that God has assigned. Now this, you can interpret two different ways. 
The measure of faith could mean that God has given faith in Jesus Christ as the measure by which we judge ourselves. He's given us faith in Jesus Christ as the measure by which we judge ourselves. In other words, it's a standard. And we judge ourselves against this standard. We soberly judge ourselves against this standard. And that's a very tempting way to take this passage. Because it gets us off the hook of thinking about ourselves and our gifts and trying to appraise them in a certain way. The problem is that measure is always, always used with a view toward understanding a quantity. Measure is always used here in in a way that has to do with quantities, not standards. You follow? So that leads me to the other way to take it, which is kind of the way that when you first read it, you think you're going to take it, and then you're like, I don't know if I want to take it that way. But this kind of what it says. Check this out. He says, according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So in other words, here's what Paul's saying in a very simple way, like a face value way. You can judge yourself based on how much faith you have. You can judge yourself based on how much faith you have. Now, there's a few qualifiers here that are going to make this something that is a useful and godly thing to do rather than a useless and godless thing to do. The first thing is we have to remember that it's God himself who's given the faith as a gift. It's not an achievement for which we pat ourselves on the back. It's not an accomplishment on the basis of which we're going to be given merit or something like that. It's not like God's going to look at it and decide how much he loves us. It's not like God's going to look at it and decide how near to him he's going to call us. No, it's, it's a gift from God. Faith is a gift from God. He's assigned it or apportioned it to us. So it comes from God. So we can't boast on this basis. And then I want to think about it in this particular way. I, during the week, I'm working just about full-time for a brand agency as a director of strategy. And one of the things that I do is I help other organizations make decisions about who they're trying to reach and how they're going to reach them, right? Just to put it in the most simple terms. And sometimes that amounts to a cost-benefit analysis in their strategic decision-making as an organization. Now, all that to say, I made a, a table, a database, or a spreadsheet the other day for a client. And what it was was trying to help him understand the value of the leads or the people who had expressed interest in his services, right? And there was a spot where they could give their phone number or not give their phone number. And every time somebody gave their phone number, I made the spreadsheet so that it multiplied the value of the lead by two. You with me? So if, if two people did exactly the same things and they both had a score of like 200 as a lead, this is somebody that really wants to hire you, right? And then one of them gave a phone number and the other one didn't. Well, the one that gave a phone number is now worth 200 points. And the one that didn't is still worth 100 points. You follow? That's called a force multiplier. A force multiplier. And what I think, what I think Paul is saying here is that faith, faith acts as a force multiplier for the gifts that God has apportioned to us in the body of Christ. Faith acts as a force multiplier for the gifts that God has apportioned to us in the body of Christ. And so 
Paul really does seem to mean that we're to measure ourselves according to the faith that he's apportioned to us. And the reason is because what we're going to measure is not how much God loves us. We're not trying to figure out how much God loves us. We're not trying to figure out how much we matter. We're not trying to figure out anything that has to do with our value or our merit or our standing in the kingdom of God. What we're trying to figure out is where we fit into God's kingdom agenda on the basis of our gifts. And this is what's beautiful about it. This is what is absolutely amazing about this. It's not on the basis of how good you are at your gift. Right? It's not on the basis of how good you are at your gift. It's on the basis of the faith that God has given you in Him as it relates to your gift. You see the difference? So there could be two preachers. We could stand up here and one of us could be much more gifted than the other. And Paul's saying, look, it's not because preacher one is more talented. That's not where I'm wanting you to, to evaluate yourself. Where I want you to evaluate yourself is how much faith do you have in God's work through your giftedness. And so in that event, preacher number two who's much less gifted but has tremendous faith in God's desire to work through his life. Paul says should evaluate himself much more highly than pastor number one who's, who's really, really good at what he does. Are you with me? It's amazing. So here's the question. Watch this. How much faith do you have in God's work through God's gifts in you? How much, there's the measure, right? How much faith do you have in God's work? It's, it's God's work. It's all God's work. Everything that he does in us and through us and for us is his work. But how much faith do you have in God's work through God's gifts in you? And as you appraise this, it doesn't matter how much of the gift you have. <laughs> Please catch hold of this. Please catch hold of it. It doesn't matter how much of the gift you have. It matters how much faith you have in God's work through God's gift in you. So I can look at someone like John Piper and I can just objectively know that I have less gifting than John Piper as a preacher. It's objectively clear. And yet, that's not the relevant question. The relevant question is how much faith do I have in God's work through God's gifts in me? And there's two ways this can be disrupted. There's two ways we can get it wrong. Number one, we can wrongly apply credit for the faith. And we talked about this, but it bears repeating. In other words, you think of the gift as your own or to your own credit. You start to look at the faith God has given you and you pat yourself on the back. Man, I sure am good at summoning up faith. I, I sure am good at suspending disbelief, right? Because when we work up faith, that's all we're doing. We're just suspending disbelief when we're working it up ourselves. But real faith comes from God and it's much more than that. 
So we can try to pat ourselves on the back for the faith that we have. We can begin to measure it as a way of measuring our value. We can begin to measure it as a way of measuring our worth or our merit or our standing in the kingdom. That's the first way we can get it wrong. The second way we can get it wrong is we can just not have enough faith. We can just not have enough faith. And this is what's, this is what's crazy about everything God does for us. And I just repeat this as often as I get a chance. God's gifts in our lives are always miraculous, but they're never accidental. So your faith, the quantity of faith that you have is entirely to God's credit. It is not to your credit at all. And yet, you're responsible for the faith that you have. For exercising that faith. Cultivating that faith. Growing that faith. Seeing that faith multiplied in your life as God apportions it to you. So we can just have not enough faith. And that's to our detriment. And that's to our discredit. So think rightly about yourself by evaluating your contribution to the kingdom on the basis of your faith in God's work through your gifts in your life. Here's the next thing. And let's, let's read the next verse or two here, he's going to now tell us why this is the way that we need to go at this. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. In other words, we're not all mouth, right? We're not all ear. We have lots of different parts in our human body. So he's saying he's drawing a comparison here, an analogy. Just like our bodies, our physical bodies have many different parts. And they don't all have the same function. In the same way, we as a church, though many, comprise one body in Christ. And individually, we are members of one another. Individually, we are members of one another. Check this out. I'm not just a member of the whole, but individually. I'm a member of you as an individual. So if, if Chris is a mouth and Nick is an ear, Chris is the ear's mouth and Nick is the mouth's ear. You see that? They're individually members of one another. So that the number of relationships multiplies by the people in the church. We're all individually members of every individual. Not just members of a corporate entity you feel the power of that nuance we're individually members of one another as individuals paul says and so he's he's giving this as the reason why we're supposed to measure ourselves in the way that we described previously it's because we're individually members of one another and what that means what that means is that our gifting, the gifting that we have, is just as essential as the gifting that we see in someone else but we long for. 
the gifting that you have is just as essential as the gifting you see in someone else and you long for or you admire or you elevate above the gifting God's placed in you. And this is so easy to do in the church because there are going to be certain people who are like the standout people in a church. In a church our size, it's a little bit different because we all have to contribute or else we just will never make it. But in a church just a little bit larger than ours, you start to see this. You start to see like standout contributors. You start to see the people whose contribution is visible. You start to see the people whose contribution is talked about. You start to see the people whose contribution is evident, material. And what Paul's saying is that you we must not evaluate ourselves on the basis of what is visible or evident, on the basis of the, the overall effect of someone's gift. That's not how we evaluate it, but we evaluate it. Remember, how do we evaluate it? On the basis of our faith in God's work through our gift. So don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to be somebody else. Look, this is illustrated perfectly through the men God has called to be elders in our church. I love, I love the men that God has called to be elders in our church. Just think about these guys. Ben is tremendously gifted with service. I don't know that I've ever met anybody who serves with more joy than Ben Winkler. He is the personification of Chick-fil-A. It will be his pleasure to serve you in that way. It really will be. And you can see, you can see the joy of the Holy Spirit on his person as he serves in all kinds of different ways. Isn't that a beautiful thing? And I know Nick is, he's a preacher, but he's gifted with exhortation. Right? When, when Nick preaches, you are going to be exhorted. You are going to be pushed out of your seat into the world to live in accordance with what God has spoken. He, he's an exhorter and he's deeply gifted in that way. And there's these, these different ways that we're gifted. I've been told Kurt has gifts, you know. <laughs> 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 it's just something I have to do and every, every time I have an opportunity Kurt is a tremendously gifted teacher he brings deep reason to bear with every sentence of his message when we first met he told me that he was a, a slow test taker and I was surprised because I, I had never met anyone who was as sharp as I knew Kurt was who also was saying he was a slow test I was like okay well that's interesting but the more I've gotten to know Kurt what I've begun to see is that Kurt is insanely deliberate about the things of the mind he's insanely deliberate about the things of the mind and so he may preach one sermon every 17 years but he will have thought for hours over every sentence of the message He's a teacher. He's a gifted teacher. And you see how we have these different gifts and we don't value any of them more highly than the others. But what Paul's saying is that the way that Ben and Kurt and Nick can evaluate themselves is not in comparison to one another, not in comparison to other people who have the same gift, 
right? But on the basis of how much faith they have in God's work through their through God's gift in them. Right? That's what makes the difference. And that's how you can know what sort of impact God is ready to make through your life. So the question is not, who do you think you are? The question is, who do you think God is? What can he do through your life given to him? The sky's the limit if, if we have faith if we have faith so don't try to be somebody else try to be as Dallas Willard said try to be exactly who Jesus would be if he were you finally use the gifts that you have use the gifts that you have So Paul says, having gifts that differ. And he's, he's hanging this on what he just said. Because we have gifts that differ, or given that we have gifts that differ according to the grace. And remember he just said, remember he just said faith? Remember that he just said faith, didn't he? And now he says grace. What's he doing? He's, he's going back and forth between these words because faith is always the result of grace. They go together. You can't have one without the other. And he wants us to remember that this is from God. This is the result of God's goodness. This is God's work. This is God's gift. So since we know we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let's use them. If it's prophecy, then prophesy. Prophesy in proportion to your faith. In other words, look, don't. Don't get out ahead of your faith. Don't get out ahead of your faith. What faith? Your faith in God's work through God's gifts in you. But use the gift God has given you in proportion to your faith. Let's continue. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching... The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So your goal as a member of this body is to, is to lean on God to cultivate a deep and enormous faith in his work through your gift in your life. And then, as God cultivates that faith to a greater and greater degree, you use your gift to a greater and greater degree. Back in 2009, when I was, 2008, when I was evaluating a a change of ministry roles. I connected with a good friend of mine, Rob McKinnon, who's a leadership coach, and we were just talking about how to know, like, what does God want you to do? How, how, what are you called to do? And we just talked about it for a while, and at some point in the conversation, he made this point. He said, Ryan, the things that you're really gifted at, the things that God has really gifted you for, you may not even credit 
as gifts because they come so naturally to you that you don't even think of them as something to be good at. You almost dismiss them as just something anybody could do because you're so gifted at them that you don't even think about it as something to be gifted at. And some of you might be gifted in things and you might be so gifted in them that they hardly register to you as a gift. And this is why we need each other in the church. We need others to help us see the ways that God has uniquely gifted us through his Holy Spirit. And there's a difference between a skill and a gift. Remember, we, we talked earlier about how I could be standing up here with two preachers and one of them could be infinitely more competent, infinitely more skilled than the other. But this preacher has an just oversized faith in God's work through God's gifts in his life. And Paul says that on that basis, he should evaluate himself more highly. And he should expect great things from God. He should expect an impact. Whereas this uber-competent, highly skilled preacher who has little faith in God's work through God's gifts in his life should expect little impact. They should measure themselves with sober judgment on the basis of the quantity of their faith. So there's really two, two very clear applications here. The first one is cultivate faith. Cultivate faith. Go to God in prayer. God, give me more faith. And how do you do that? How do you cultivate faith? Well, apart from God's miraculous work through his Holy Spirit, whereby he gives you this gift miraculously in and of himself, apart from that, here's how you cultivate great faith. You feast your mind and heart on the glory, on the glory of the crucified and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Feast your mind and heart on him, the one who has come and become a human being just like you who faced trials of every kind just like you. The one who endured suffering just like you. The one who endured temptation just like you and yet emerged sinless and went to the cross to bring an ultimate defeat to sin. And then he went to the grave to bring an ultimate defeat to death. And he has risen victorious over every power, sin and death and all the rest. And feast your mind and heart on Christ, who has ascended to God's right hand, where he sits enthroned over all kingdoms. Feast your mind and heart on Jesus Christ, who has offered forgiveness to you and all who believe. Man, that will result in a great faith. So cultivate, cultivate faith. And here's the next one. Don't despise gifts. Don't despise gifts. And that has two parts. Don't despise the gifts that God has given to others. Don't despise the gifts God has given to others. 
though you may look at someone and think that their skill set or their competencies are few, God can use that person with a small skill set or few competencies many times more effectively than someone who has a great skill set and great competencies but lacks faith. So don't despise the gifts of others. And don't despise the gifts that God has given you. You may look at your life and find it difficult even to identify the ways in which God has gifted you. You may look at your life and find it difficult to identify the ways in which God has placed a sense of significance in your life or a purpose in your life. But God has gifted every believer through the power of the Holy Spirit with real ways that he intends for you to serve and fit into the church, the local, the local church. And check this out. The only way you can apply this line about belonging individually to one another is in the context of the local church. You can't belong individually to one another in the global, abstract, universal church. That's just not possible. But in the context of the local church where you become better and better known, where you become more and more at home, where your life becomes more and more real and less and less abstract to others in the church, your gifts will be identified your gifts will be cultivated, and your gifts, by God's grace, can be unleashed in proportion to the faith that God has given you in his work, through his gifts, in your life. So don't despise the gifts God has given you, no matter how small they seem. And don't confuse your skill sets with your gifts and don't confuse your level of competency with your degree of faith. Because God wants to work through the faith that you have in him and his power to work in and through you for the good of the church, for the sustaining of the faith of his people, for the flourishing of the nations, and for his own great glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the, man, the, um, the piercing analysis that you put in the mind of Paul as he penned these words 2,000 years ago thereabouts. And the the ways that you can use this word to help us to indeed think soberly about our lives and to cultivate the faith that is so meaningful, so meaningful in determining how and to what degree you might use us to push your kingdom forward in the world. I pray that you would supply everyone in this room with a great and abiding faith in your work, in your gifts, in their lives. Give them a sense of significance that rests in the glory of Jesus Christ. 
Give them a sense of significance that rests in the power of the risen Christ. Give them a sense of purpose that is tethered to the glory of Christ Jesus. And let us as a church make a great impact, whether it's visible and evident or whether it's known only to you. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Story Church podcast. For more resources and information on our church, visit gracestory.church.